You're now tuned in to the Desire to Trade podcast, a show where we bring you the best figures of the trading world and teach you how you can become a successful trader. This is your host, Etienne Kret. Hey, what's up, Twitter? It's Kret here, founder of Desire to Trade. And welcome to episode 53 of the Desire Trade podcast. Last week, I had a nice chat with Jason Sun, and we really dive deeper into technical analysis. I really hope you listen to episode 52 of the podcast. If not, I recommend you really listen to it quickly and you take note, because it's really useful and it really contains a lot of information you can apply. For this week's episode, I'm sharing an interview with James Hart. James is based in London and has done a lot of stuff online. He's been working a lot for FX Street, doing webinars, and he has a really nice background of swing and day trading. In this interview, he shared a lot about his methodology, but also how he used summer to trade and what he does to make sure he's successful. I'm sure you'll get a lot out of the interview. And if you have any feedback, any comment, go on the Facebook group afterward. Check out desiretotrade.com for slash group and join the group. It's totally free. So enjoy the interview with James Hart. James Hart, welcome to the Disaster Podcast. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? Very good, very good. Thank you. So the first question I always ask my guests, and I love it, is what is one quote that inspires you? One quote that I always use that I, that I stick to quite a lot is a famous Mike Tyson quote. Um, I'm a little bit of a boxing fan, and that's, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And I think that all traders can relate to that one. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty good. I love it. So what are you doing these days exactly? Um, so I've been at Littlefish now for just under two years. Um, and so my work at the moment revolves mainly around running the trading uh, education and analysis portion of the website. We do a lot of educational material, um, and a lot of analysis work, and then also running a lot of third-party webinars with partners such as FX Street, Metastop, NinjaTrader, and features like this as well. And I'm supposing you are trading as well on the side. Yeah, yeah, I trade alongside that. So I issue trade alerts on the website as part of our trade of the day and trade of the week ideas, which we've been issuing now um, since November 2015. And they're doing really well. They're up over 3,000 pips. And I also trade prop for Little Fish alongside that. So yeah, it's all tied in with my own trading work. Hmm. And how did you first get involved into trading? Um, it was actually sort of a, a family connection. My dad, uh, he was a quite an enthusiastic retail trader um, in his later years. And at the time that I was sort of coming out of college, I got quite interested in it. You know, he was involved in a lot of different online courses and bought a lot of trading books. So I gradually got interested in it and then just sort of started applying my own effort in, in learning and went down my own, my own route in, in trying to learn how to trade profitably. Mm-hmm. It's pretty unexpected though that your father was trading forex. So that doesn't happen a lot. No, no. Well, I guess mainly it's um, it's probably becoming a little bit more prevalent now with the sort of older generation that are retiring have you know good access to the internet and there's such a strong proliferation of online trading resources and obviously the marketing now is you know so prevalent everywhere that uh, I think it's becoming more and more popular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. 
And did your dad teach you anything or did you learn by yourself? <laughs> no, he didn't teach me anything. Um, he, maybe he taught me how not to do it. Perhaps that was all I, uh, perhaps that was all I gleaned. Now, he was very enthusiastic, but he, you know, he only did it on a very part-time basis. And um, yeah, he had a lot of material, but not a lot of uh, knowledge, I suppose. So how was the learning process for you then? How was the learning process for me? I guess really sort of just in quite a hands-on way. Um, I never really messed around that much with demo accounts. I kind of always tried to set up a live account, um, even though it was only, you know, a very small capital base, um, you know, a couple of hundred quid at a time. Um, but I just found that it was better and, you know, really, it's more of an efficient learning process to actually start trading with live money, even though it was only small cash. I mean, at the time, obviously, it still meant more to me than, uh, than it probably should have done. <laughs> And did you look at books or courses or how did you learn? Yeah, um, I got involved with a lot of different groups online. You know, I, I like looking at YouTube tutorials. I find videos quite helpful. That's probably why I enjoy doing webinars so much, I suppose. Um, yeah, I found video tutorials quite helpful. Um, I enjoyed reading books. But yeah, I guess mainly learning from, from videos and then applying that knowledge myself on the charts in a, in a real time basis and, you know, sort of rolling with the punches. Mm -hmm. And how long did it take for you to become a profitable trader from the start? Um, I think it's around three to four years, maybe a little bit more than that, actually. Um, the first year was very much hit and miss. I was you know, very sporadic in, in how I've learned. I guess this kind of ties into a mistake that a lot of new traders make and that they simply hop around from different trading styles, looking at different indicators. I guess it's such a novelty at the start and there's so much to look at. And, you know, you can really get lost online <laughs> looking at the different material. So you kind of want to learn everything and then you end up learning nothing, right? I think this is the thing, isn't it? You know, you, yeah. you know, you know very little about a lot of stuff, but not a lot about any one thing. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Yeah, that was, a, that was a very important part of the process, becoming a bit more singular and a bit more focused in my approach to, to what I was learning, but also working out the type of stuff that I found useful and that I could actually work with. You know, I've never really liked... Um, cluttered charts, you know, trading a lot of different indicators. I find it much easier just to trade price action um, using my own annotations and analysis. So again, I guess that that is an important part of the process. People figuring out what it is that works for them. Mm -hmm. And so, what are the things that worked for you? Was it only price action, or I mean, the big sort of. I won't say the aha moment, but the thing that really sort of opened my eyes to the fact that perhaps, you know, I could I could make a career out of this or, or become consistently profitable was really just learning about support and resistance, which now looking back at it, it seems so crazily simple and straightforward. But even now, when I talk to a lot of new traders, you know, a lot of new traders are quite confounded um, by the idea of proper proper analysis using support and resistance and the sort of opportunities that it can afford you. So for myself, you know, learning to really understand support and resistance and, you know, the type of the, the, the methods and way in which you can trade using that. I think that was really what opened my eyes to the fact that, you know, I could probably be successful with this going forward. And then I just built my strategies from there. And what would you say is your trading style today? My trading style are on the higher time frames to, to trade retests or broken key support and resistance um, in line with the dominant trend. And then on the lower time frames 
to look for breakout opportunities based around support and resistance. So both strategies utilize support and resistance, but obviously one is a breakout strategy and one is a reversal strategy. Mm -hmm. And when you say a long time frame, is it because you trade many time frame or you just keep the trade uh, for a shorter period of time? Yeah, they're generally much shorter periods of time. These are typically just intraday trades, whereas the higher time frames are usually swing trades, which can go between a couple of hours and a couple of days, depending on what happens with the price action. But yeah, the lower time frame breakout trades, they're usually done within that day, within a couple of hours. And, you know, often, often sooner than that, if you, uh, if you catch the move correctly. Mm -hmm. And what type of time frame do you look for? Do you do more swing trading or is it more intraday? Um, I think recently I've become, I've been doing a little bit more intraday trading, um, generally swing trading. Um, but as I've been working more with trading and analysis and providing updates on the charts over the day and getting ready for webinars, um, I find that it's lent itself to me being able to trade a little bit more on the intraday side of things, which, is, which has been nice. Mm -hmm. And do you have a preference between intraday and swing trading? Um, I don't actually, no. Uh, <laughs> I think one of the benefits to intraday trading is that you don't go to bed with a position open, which is quite helpful if you enjoy sleeping. But yeah, beyond that, I'm, uh, no, I'm quite part, um, impartial to either. At this point, I think I feel pretty much the same way, but I feel like intraday trading takes more time. It does take more, I mean, it definitely takes more, more focus and you have to be, you know, you have to be willing to sit there all day watching the charts as it is. But as I say, you know, if that's tied in well with the sort of work that I'm doing aside from actually trading. So it allows me that, that time and that, that attention that, that is needed. But yeah, it is definitely a lot of work. And that's the great benefit, I suppose, for a lot of new traders when they approach trading, that swing trading allows you to, you know, check the charts at the end of the day when you get back from work check them in the morning before work. Um, you don't really have to be glued to the charts all the time. And I suppose when you trade intraday, you trade mostly the uh, London session, right? Uh, London session and the New York session, yeah, depending on what's going on, what currencies I'm trading, yeah, both. And what is your, you would say your process to, when you, when you start to trade, is it to look at support resistance for the day or? Yeah, so I map out, on a weekly basis, I map out the key weekly levels that I'll be monitoring. Um, and then it's simply a process of filtering down through the timeframes, going to the daily and the H4, you know, considering any pairs that are going to be affected by any key economic events over the week, um, building that into my analysis as well to make sure that, you know, you don't get <laughs> caught off guard trading intraday just ahead of a major news announcement, which again is something that I think, as simple as it is, a lot of new traders fall foul of um, is that they're not properly aware of key economic events and you know they get bogged down on trading on an intraday time frame a lower time frame and they're, they're not aware of the bigger picture which can be a crucial mistake mm -hmm. and this is interesting i think a lot of people get get screwed up by this by by news so do you look at them do you consider them do you take any position based on the news or you just no, no, avoid I, them i never trade based on on fundamentals i never no. trade ahead of a news event and in fact when i first started trading That was solely what I used to do. I would look at the economic uh, calendars ahead of major news events. I would do a little bit of research online and sort of find out, you know, what the expected numbers were. And then I'd try to trade in the direction of the expected numbers or take a reactionary trade. And obviously, sometimes it works out, but it's just a total gamble, really. And uh, in the end, it always led to, to heartbreak and a quick liquidation of my, my small accounts. 
So yeah, it was fun, but it was fruitless in the end. Yeah, I, I kind of remember doing that too. It's funny. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's quite a common thing, you know, when you come to trading the idea of, you know, making a quick hundred pips in a few seconds on the back of a news release. But obviously it's both ways. Mm -hmm. So I guess you're watching the, the news calendar just to stay away when a news is coming out, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so how many trades can you take during a specific day, for example? I generally don't like to um, set myself any targets for the amount of trades I take. I mean, sometimes I could have, you know, three or four trades in a day. Other times I might only have three or four trades in a week. So it really depends on what condition the markets are in and what opportunities are there. You know, I find, again, another <clears throat> big pitfall that traders suffer from when they're starting out is, you know, forcing themselves to trade. And all of this stuff is quite... Um, not cliche but it's quite standard sort of forex wisdom but i mean it is that way for a reason you know it's the it's the problems that many new traders face over and over and it's the type of stuff that you don't realize is a problem until you've gone through that cycle and come out the other side and improved your trading because of it and then hopefully you know you can help other people when you talk to them and yeah that's definitely one of the main ones you know the, the pressure to trade and feeling like you need to be trading all the time and ending up taking subpar trades because of that pressure Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's totally right and i see so many people trying to force things and it's not funny at all yeah what would you say is some of your your best trades um i guess last summer actually i quite had, had quite a nice period um trading cable where i don't know how familiar you are with the price action in cable last year but we we're going through sort of quite a repetitive process of having a really sharp breakdown um forming a small base and then quite a laboured correction um, with quite an exhaustion top before resuming another sharp downfall. Um, and I was quite fortunate, or my analysis was correct enough, um, that I was able to take advantage of that on quite a regular basis over that period. So, yeah, that was quite enjoyable, catching some of those uh, moves last summer, which were surprisingly similar each time they set up. almost couldn't believe that the same trade was setting up sort of week on week. So, yeah, that was a nice period. Mm -hmm. And some of your worst trades? Some of my worst trades, well, aside from the, uh, the news release gambles, which I like to, uh, to take a punt on, some of my worst trades were probably, I think, and again, this ties into another one of these classic trading mistakes, um, trades where I was moving my stop, um, you know, sort of thinking that a trade was going to come back in my favor, and I was just being too stubborn and not, not cutting my losses and ending up you know, continuing to, to move my stops. So there isn't really one trade that stands out there, but more just a period in time where, you know, I was going through that period of, um, <laughs> of, of learning that you don't always need to be right to make money in the long run. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally get that. And I, I think most traders go through that phase. Yeah. Like they kind of, yeah, it's kind of necessary if you want to be able to stop that afterward. Yeah, totally. Do you see any difference between trading in the summer versus the rest of the year because this podcast is going to be live in the summer yeah i mean i guess there are differences you know it slows down a lot the price action is quite sticky um directionless um yeah i mean that is a really big feature of summer trading and again that sort of ties into why i was saying that those trades in cable last year um were so good because i can't remember which month it was specifically i think it was over sort of july we'd gone through quite a, a really range-bound um period in cable and then I think over August or late August, you know, we started to get those moves again. So it was nice to catch some some decent moves in typically low momentum 
summer trading. Mm-hmm. And what do you do? Do you take the same amount of trade in the summer or do you usually take only the ones where volatility is high? Yeah, I mean, again, it really just comes down to monitoring the markets for for the conditions that you know I view as being right for my trading style and waiting for the setups to come. And you know, sometimes they do come and sometimes they don't. So, you know, summer summer can be frustrating because you know there are a lot of days where you aren't getting that momentum and you know you aren't getting those setups. But uh, you know, if the, the sun is shining, maybe it's an opportunity to stand outside for half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. And how many pairs or instrument do you follow? Um, so for the trading and analysis portion of the website that we that we offer, um, I'm following just the major currency pairs. Um, and then for my own trading and prop trading, I, I focus across the board, so across the crosses as well. Um, but yeah, in terms of just covering uh, the analysis. And actually for the trade alerts, we, we offer a lot of cross pair um, alerts also. And do you have any favorite pairs that you trade or any favorite instrument? Um, I guess that kind of changes all the time, really. Uh, I guess the volatility in the crosses, again, going back to that double-edged sword idea, you know, obviously sometimes it can be quite nice to get into a trade, especially if you're trading breakouts um, and they work quite quickly and you get a burst of momentum that can be worth a couple of hundred pips. But then obviously, you know, you can also get stopped out pretty quickly if you're wrong. <laughs> Are you yourself trading every pair you follow or do you have specific that you prefer to trade? Um, no, I sort of just <clears throat> go through the charts on a weekly and daily basis, look for the setups um, that stand out to me and I'm happy to take them sort of regardless if they're in the crosses or, you know, in the, in the majors. The only thing that I'm aware of is not being uh, overexposed to any one currency. So, you know, not trading sterling in the majors and then also trading sterling in the crosses too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you want to be careful with correlation basically. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Do you only take like one trade at a time or how do you deal with that? No, no. So I just have a max risk that um, that I split my trades on. So okay, yeah. generally I only risk half a percent to 1% per trade. And then my account risk at any one time would be 3% split between different trades. So obviously that could be three trades or it could be six trades. Um, so it's really just on a, a first come first serve basis. And as I said, making sure that I'm not overexposed to any one currency in the trades that I'm taking. I know you do a lot of education and I'm guessing that you probably get in front of people who have no idea what trading is about, right? Yeah. So what exactly do you teach them? What are the steps you take with them? Well, I mean, first of all, it depends <clears throat> what the trader is trying to understand. I mean, you have some traders who are you know, really focused on learning the fundamental side of trading and how all the different economic indicators, um, you know, affect the actual movement on the charts of the various currency pairs. Um, And then you have some traders who are focused more on technical trading. So, yeah, it depends, first of all, what the trader's focus is. Um, But generally, I find that most traders, at the least, it's a mix of the both. And then typically, it's more um, just a focus on the technical aspects. So I really just walk through the technical process with them, um, which involves looking at the different areas of technical analysis that they can use, um, helping them to build a solid understanding of them, and then helping them to use those elements in combination. So building confluence between stuff like trend lines, support and resistance, Fibonacci analysis, how to read price action. And this is all of the stuff that we 
have on the website as free educational material. And it's all of the stuff that we also cover in greater detail in the Forex Master Course. So everything that I use and that the other LFX traders use, uh, we teach about on the website or through the various channels that we host on. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's all good. But then how do you deal with people who do not respect those strategies or those plans that you establish? Well, I mean, <laughs> this is the other thing, isn't it? You know, you get you get people like that in, in every industry, in every field of life, in every pursuit, I guess. Um, there are some times when <laughs> you you actually can't teach someone. You know, there there are some people who, who just don't like to be taught. Um, and, you know, some people are like that, and that's not to say that they won't be successful in trading. It's just obviously they're not suited to a learning environment. So generally, it kind of works itself out. You get people who are really enthusiastic, and open-minded and you know ready to listen to someone who's been through the process of learning trading and going through the psychological tumult of of becoming consistently profitable and then you have other people who who just aren't so open to to learning and listening so yeah generally some people just drop out of the process and other people keep going and they're the ones that uh, that we tend to find ourselves working with most mm-hmm. but it's really up to the person to decide if they want to really invest themselves into trading, right? Yeah, I mean, this is it. You know, I guess for a lot of people, um, it can be difficult to sort of give up your own ideas and, and, you know, sort of embed in the process of listening to somebody else and learning what somebody else finds useful. And, you know, some people are suited to it and some people aren't. And apart from that, the fact of being kind of open to ideas and open to other people, what would you say are the keys to your trading success? Um, I think to a large extent, a very large extent, um, pragmatism and, you know, being able to adapt to different situations, you know, it's kind of, um, <clears throat> again, falling back on that sort of old trading wisdom that it's, you know, you can make money in all market types, but it's very difficult to make money the same way in all market types. So on that basis, you know, having the ability to trade in different ways, Um, during different market conditions and then also you know having the ability to change your mind very quickly i mean there are a lot of times that i get into a trade um as i say you know the the majority of my trading is based on reading price action so there are a lot of times that i get into a trade um you know i conduct my analysis i form an idea and i get into a trade and then very shortly after entering it the price action suggests that my original analysis was wrong and that you know the market has moved on since then and now i'm looking at new evidence and I think to begin with, it can be very difficult to adapt to that situation quickly and to either cut your original trade or, or even reverse your trade and take a trade in the opposite direction because you get a sense of um, not betraying yourself, but that, you know, that isn't what trading is about. You know, that you go through this process of conducting your analysis and then once you've formed an idea, that's it, you stick with it. Um, and so, yeah, I think learning to, to be more adaptive and to respond quickly to changing situations is really a key to, to long-term success. I think one of the big misconceptions people have when they think about price action is they always have the word pattern in mind, like pattern, pattern, pattern. Yeah. So what else do you look for instead of pattern with price action? So generally price action, you know, I'm looking at various things. I'm looking at the momentum into um, a certain period of price action that I'm looking at, you know, what that's telling me about the likelihood for for further moves in the market, for future moves. Again, I'm also looking at stuff like the fundamentals, um, you know, not to form a trading bias on, but just for, um, you know, just to be aware of them. Again, looking at key economic events, 
um, and economic events which have happened recently, which might be affecting the price action that I'm looking at. But yeah, I, I guess what you're saying with, with patterns as well, the other thing that I think a lot of traders um, fall into the trap of is just being so totally shocked when they don't work out. You know, it's very difficult for new traders to understand that, you know, you can, you can lose 50 or 60 percent, even 70 percent of your trades and still be profitable in the long run. Um, and so it's not about every single trade winning and being right all the time. Yeah, this is what I tell people. You kind of have to put the odds in your favor all the time. This is it. And then, you know, once I guess, again, it comes down to experience, really, just like every other field. You know, once you've been through the process of witnessing that firsthand, um, I guess it gets easier to sit through the drawdowns and it's less psychologically disruptive when you're facing losing trade after losing trade because, like you say, you just sort of look at the odds, the probabilities, and uh, weigh it that way. Mm-hmm. Are there some common mistakes other than, than that that you see your traders make? Um, I guess, you know, the typical trading mistakes, people having stops too tight, people not using stops, people moving their stops. Um, I think specifically, one of the big ones that I found, and this is something that I suffered from a lot, um, which I still see with a lot of traders, is is taking partial profits on trades far too early. So, you know, I see a lot of guys will get into a trade with, say, a 50 pip stop. When price is 25 pips in their favor, you know, they take half off. And then when price is 100 pips in their favor, they bank the other half. And so they've roughly ended up with something like, you know, 62 and a half pips or whatever it is, which is roughly one to one instead of just holding the trade and banking it at 100 pips and banking two to one. And obviously over time, you know, when your hit rate is fluctuating, if it's dropping down to 50% or below and you're only trading at around a roughly one-to-one basis, then, you know, you'll be lucky to come out break even. Whereas if you stick to, to banking multiples of risk, then it affords you a lot more leeway in terms of being able to survive those periods where your hit rate dwindles and, you know, traders that are trading at roughly a one-to-one basis are coming out flat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this is something interesting because taking profit early for me, like partial profit early has been really game-changing for my trading. Right, okay. But the, the thing is, like, it doesn't have to be super early. That's the problem. Like, most people right. think it's way too early. Yeah, yeah, this is this is more what I mean. Yeah, I mean, partial profit taking can definitely be extremely useful. But I think for a lot of people, they use it as, uh, you know, sort of a comfort blanket and, uh, mm. and taking it, you know, too early. I think whenever people feel uncomfortable, they start to take profit. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. That's the problem. Is it something you do, taking profit partially, or you wait until the end of your, like, you said, take profit? No, generally now I, I trade, you know, waiting for full target to be hit. And then obviously, you know, the other, <laughs> the downside to that is that you have a lot of trades, um, you know, which you can be up, let's say, you know, you're up around 100 pips or so, the target might be 200 pips. So you're around halfway to target and you get trades that come back on you and you end up, you know, being taken out for break even. And that's, that's very frustrating. But again, it comes down to the experience element and, you know, having gone through periods where you might hit six or seven trades which gets scratched out for break-even and then a couple of losers. Then you hit a small handful of big winners that make up for that. And, you know, in the long run, you make more than you would if you had just banked each of those uh, initial trades for, for partial profits. Mm-hmm. But the thing here is, uh, like the, the thing here, and this is something I didn't do before too, is you're moving your stop loss, right? Right, yeah. Which really helps, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What is your rule? Do you have a rule, like, at what point to move your stop loss? 
Um, so I'm generally just looking at the price action, but usually at around one to one, I'll go to break even. If there, unless there's something in the price action suggesting that you know that's not the right move, um, so typically I'm just looking at the structure of the market. You know, as we start to pull away from the initial support and resistance area which I entered in, um, and then we start to form subsequent support and resistance levels, I'll just look to to move my stock behind those as we go along. Um, really, really, it's just a case of reading the price action on a trade by trade basis. I don't really have a hard and fast rule there. I'm just looking to uh, to keep the trade open until target. Mm-hmm. What would you say is the biggest takeaway listeners should take from this interview? Um, the biggest lesson or the key takeaway. Again, I always when I talk to a lot of new traders, and you know they get really hung up on asking me, you know, what is the one strategy I would advise that they use? What is the one method I would advise they use? Um, I really think that people need to, or new traders rather, need to understand more that it's really about the mindset. Um, you know, you can be given a, a world-class strategy that, you know, has a fantastic hit rate, really high expectancy. But if your mindset is wrong, your psychology isn't there, you just end up screwing it up. <laughs> you know, you really need to to be solid in your mindset and really understand yourself to trade properly and to not let you know, short-term deviations affect you because I think that's probably the most damaging part for a lot of new traders, you know, that they go through these small periods of drawdowns and they just ditch their strategy and start looking at something else or start trying to change the way they trade instead of just sticking with it and, uh, you know, waiting for it to come good. Mm-hmm. The message is interesting because you don't want to be too confident and, like, not enough confidence, so it's pretty interesting. You have to be yeah, in the yeah, two. Yeah, of course, yeah. Uh-huh. I love that. So how can people find you? So I'm on Twitter. Um, my handle is LFXJames. Or, you know, I always encourage people to get in touch with me via the webinars that we do at uh, james at littlefishfx.com. That's my, my work email. So I'm always happy to talk to traders over the course of the week. Um, yeah, or they can drop by any of the webinars. We do a weekly webinar on, on FX Street, uh, Wednesdays at midday UK time. And uh, yeah, I always encourage people to get involved there also. It's always good to have people in talking about the charts, discussing trade ideas. That's great. So what are your goals for the future? So the goals for the future are just to keep building the website out at the moment, you know, keep working with bigger and bigger client bases. Uh, we've recently introduced a mentoring option where we work with traders on a one-to-one basis, offering private tuition. So that's been a really um, interesting and exciting addition to our process. And yeah, still just focusing on my own trading and, and building my track record there. So the webinars that we're doing with our third party, uh, with our third party partners, you know, they're all aimed at, um, at bringing people back to the website and increasing our exposure. And yeah, we're just looking forward to to building our trade alerts track record and, and getting more people involved with that because it's been really consistently profitable so far and we've had great feedback and we've got a lot of people on board. And yeah, it's nice to be able to, to work with more and more traders there. And what is the number one thing motivating you to move forward? Just that I absolutely love it. <laughs> it's, it's very basic, it's very simple, but that's it. I think you, know, you have to have a lot of passion for, for this. There's a lot of time when it has to almost, almost supersede passion um, you know, you have to go through some difficult periods. You have to go through some arduous periods. But yeah, you, if you love it, then you, you stick at it. And I, I definitely love it. And I love working with people and, you know, doing all the, the presenting that I do and engaging with people that way. So it's very interesting. It's a very diverse working 
environment and I get to talk with a lot of different people that I wouldn't ordinarily get to talk to. So I very much enjoy it. It's great. So I just want to remind the listeners that all the show notes are going to be on disartertoday.com. So we'll have all the links to your webinars, your course, and your social media profiles. It's all going to be on disartertoday.com. And so one last question I have for you, uh, James, is if you could give only one piece of advice for traders, what would that one piece of advice be? It would be focus on controlling your emotions and getting your mindset solid. Um, that would be the number one thing that I think that people really need to, to focus on. Um, I don't have a, uh, <laughs> a handy catchphrase for that. But yeah, really just about working on, on controlling your mindset and your emotions and yeah, not letting uh, short-term problems affect your trading. Mm-hmm. I love it. It makes sense. So James Hart, thanks so much for being on the Trade Podcast. It's been a pleasure to have you here. I think people will have stuff to work on for sure. And for all listeners, I'll see you in the next episode. Great pieces of advice in this interview. I really hope you liked it. I just wanted to take a few moments to let you know about the Desert Trade Academy. This is something I've been working on a lot in the past days. And I'm really excited to say it's now launched to everyone. We do monthly mastermind calls. And you get access to all the training I've been working on so far. I'm super excited about all the progress people will make in the academy. Now, this is not something with signal. It's really something to build yourself as a trader to help you grow. So if you want to check it out, go on disartotrade.com forward slash academy, desiretotrade.com forward slash academy, and you'll be able to see all the information about this and how to join. If you have any suggestions for the podcast, let me know and I'll do my best to implement them. And on that note, I'll see you in the next episode of the Desire to Trade podcast. Ciao. Thanks for listening to the Desire to Trade podcast. To get all the information on this show, free articles, and unique resources, make sure to check out www.desiretotrade.com and subscribe. Please leave us a review and let us know what you thought about the show. It's time to become the best trader you can be. See you next time.